0: Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I'm
1: Brandon, and this is my companion, Tony Shop.
2: Hey, greetings, humans. Happy to be back for another thrilling episode.
1: Uh, this edition of that thrilling episode, or uh, this thrilling edition of Old Space Show, will be exploring time and space with the adventures of Doctor Who in his seventh iteration, along with his companion Mel Bush and Ace in season 24, Sylvester McCoy's first year as Doctor. Today, we will be talking the fourth and final serial, Dragonfire. As trouble brews on
2: the space trading colony of Iceworld, the Doctor and Mel encounter their sometimes ally, Sabalom Glitz, and a new friend
1: who goes by Ace. All right, this one is directed by Chris Clow, who directed our previous serial and a a lot of cool Doctor Who. It's written by Ian Briggs, who will go on to write Curse of Fenric. Not next season, but the season after, and stars Sylvester McCoy, Bonnie Langford, Sophie Aldred, Tony Selby, Edward Peel, Patricia Quinn, and Tony Osaba. Peel—he, this guy—he's just a big star of British television throughout his career. Uh, our notable guest is Patricia Quinn, who of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and uh, she was in the Rocky Horror. Or, or, <laughs> I'll say that again. Uh, She was in Monty Python's Meaning of Life, uh, the very popular I Claudius miniseries. She starred in an episode of Hammer House of Horror, which oddly I just watched this episode. Not in. It's the first episode of Hammer House of Horror um, that she's in, but and I just um, someone gifted me a box set recently, and of it, uh, the Australian import, and uh, I popped down the first one, and she's in it. Uh, She's in Hawk the Slayer. And uh, recent work was uh, Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem. Okay, there you go. Yeah, but uh, the the important person to add to the cast here is well, not that Patricia Quinn is not important, <laughs> but in terms of Doctor Who, Sophie Aldred as Ace. 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 Uh, I love it.
2: Yeah this this episode. So uh, Ace is uh, Ace is my is one of my favorite companions. Uh, my I have a. Uh, my dog is named after ace uh, uh obviously this is so this dragon fire in general holds a special very special place in my heart this was where an, an impressionable young 10 or 11 year old tony schaub uh watched doctor who for the first time ever on late night tv uh, on pbs uh so so this is where it all started is that the fort the wayne
1: pbs Yes, we are watching absolutely. the same PBS though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Love it. yeah that's right. Cool I, I, I have to realize that. I'm like, oh yeah, we were watching the same PBS.
2: Yep. So I remember, I, I remember seeing Ace. I remember seeing uh, the Dragon. Uh, literally, I started. Fortunately, I didn't start mid serial. I started watching with uh, with the first episode of the serial. <laughs> okay. so, um And it just, it just, it spoke to me. This, this one, it just felt like, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the in the previous uh, episode with Delton and the Bannerman, uh, where this is where the series kind of started to really dig in with its writing. The writing Mm -hmm. got really good, even even though the presentation on the screen was sometimes mixed because of budget issues. The writing, you could feel the stories they were trying to tell and the big things that they were trying to get to. And that's a kind of, I think, what kind of really spoke to me. And it it locked me in for life. (laughs) Yeah, and
1: Ace, I mean, introducing his character is really heavy too because, I mean, we get a backstory on her. Uh, she's a human from the late 20th century. Uh, of Earth, um, and she arrived on Ice World when a chemistry experiment caused a time storm in her bedroom. And yeah, she was a she's a pyro maniac kind of <laughs> arsonist. But yeah, she's a time storm. I love it. It's yeah. just a, you know,
2: I I'd, I'd love to hear more. I'd love for, you know, sometimes Doctor Who will go back and, you know, kind of reference older things. I'd love to hear more time storms landing right. people in odd places. I think that that's just a cool concept.
1: Yeah, no, I would. Yeah, that's something they should pick up on. Um, definitely. Uh, one thing with the notable the ace, too, she calls him professor.
2: That's right. That's right. Never really given a, a, a huge. Re- in fact, he corrects her uh, yes. uh, in, the, in, in the third party. He's like, I'm a, I'm a doctor, not a If you're going to travel with me. You know, kind of turns into curmudgeonly yeah. old man. I'm a doctor, not the professor. She's like, oh, okay, okay,
1: I'll get and, on that. And but she continues to, yeah, <laughs> continues to, yeah, to call him that. But this is a good. I'd, I don't know how, but this works. This this pairing feels like it shouldn't, and it's one yeah. of the best pairings ever in the history of Doctor Who.
2: I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I'm and I'm so thrilled. Like sometimes you 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 see people kind of go through their motions on TV, and you can and you can feel what they're doing, and then sometimes if you're super fans like you or i you mm-hmm. eventually get to you get to meet these people in some capacity yeah and um you know uh, there are certain celebrities who i will not go into and you meet them and they're not and you're like oh gosh he's you know, he or she is not a not what i expected things like that so we got to meet. i got to meet sylvester mccoy came to PopCon, i believe in 2015 2016 and he was wonderful like mm-hmm. it was so much fun like cosplayed as him and he was so excited to kind of see it and and he it, he i think saturday or sunday you, he ended up Wandering the floor, and found his way to a life size TARDIS, and, and and jumped in there, and and uh, it, it was just so cool. And then I think the year or two later, and sixteen or seventeen, Sophie Aldred was a guest also at PopCon, and she was just just delightful. Like, uh, you know, I made sure to go by her booth and say hello. That was a year that I was moderating most of the main stage panels. So I spent some time with her, but then um, a fun little side story is that uh, my, my co-moderator and I uh, saw her, we were, we went to circle center for dinner, I think Friday after the, after the, after the show closed Friday mm-hmm. or Saturday. And we went over there and we were in the food court and we heard, like, as we were finishing up, we heard someone go, Tony, Jared. And we in this British accent. We looked around and <laughs> we from Sophie, like of all the people, like right. she should not be, Recognizing me at the mall, this should be vice versa. And she's got her hands full of bags, and she's like, "Oh, I always, whenever I come to America for a convention, I always bring an extra empty suitcase so I can buy all the things I can't get back home." And I'm like, <laughs> I, "I'm like, I love even more now. Like, I love this." Insane. And you've just solidified it yes. all for me. So it's it's so nice to meet your people and
1: have good and have them like come that. through. That right. Like, yeah. yes. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. <gasps> Yeah, I would I, that was I believe, though, their popcorns were like before my first one, I gotcha. think was that. That's what. It, so, yeah, I think we had. Oh, who is it? I think. Um, I can't remember who it was. Uh, voice person was one of the big ones that we had since then, but there hasn't been a lot of Doctor Who pres- presence. Although um, I, I I do bug Carl about getting Nicole Bryant there. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, we were heavy in with the, with, with who North America being essentially in our backyard, they, they always had a huge you know, piece at the convention. They had a, mm-hmm. a big booth and stuff. So I think it made natural sense for them to try to loop in. And, and that was yeah. kind of when Dr. Who was, was, you know, kind of coming out of its prime, you know, right. it's, it's regenerated prime if you will. So, um, so yeah, it made sense for them to try to, to try to look that way. But then I think as I got super popular uh, because the year following uh, they we popcon was scheduled to have Karen Gillan there Yes, uh, but that that was right as uh, Guardians got big and then they had to do reshoots so she had to cancel mm-hmm. and then i think they kind of moved away from Doctor Who after that
1: so yeah yeah but maybe it'll be back maybe it will
2: be back fingers crossed i mean they, you know the doctor the, Jody's doc- going
1: to be in Columbus Ohio uh, at the end of that. the year i'm like I oh my
2: saw gosh that that so. Columbus is going big because i don't think any of these obviously like your Matt Smith your tenants. I mean, even Eccleston is out trying to do the occasional show here and yeah. there. But even you know, even I mean, I mean, any of them companions. I mean, no one usually comes cheap anymore.
1: The usually the year following their exit as the Doctor, they do a round of conventions and then they move on. Like that's sure. I, I believe Capaldi did that. Um, yes, Jen, Jenna Coleman did. Uh, I think Jenna Coleman did a convention here. Was her first U.S. convention? But a lot of them go to the Louisville, uh, the Kentucky. GalaxyCon con or whatever Yeah,
2: con and i know um uh wizard wizard the wizard former wizard world up in chicago would, would land a lot of them as well okay. so um but but yeah that's that's where because i think that's where eccleston may have gone when he mm-hmm. for a long time he wouldn't do anything yep related to doctor he wouldn't even talk about it but then he kind of loosened up on it a little bit but then yeah i mean you've got uh, uh i mean i'll do, <laughs> do big right. finish
1: i'll do big finish
2: So you get that big finish money. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) So uh yeah. Um but yeah, uh yeah, Sophie Aldred, awesome. She even wrote a she wrote a book recently uh at Childhood's. I read it, it's good stuff, really dug it. Um and yeah, she's she's one of the most popular companions. She'll be returning to the show this fall. Thank
2: goodness. Thank Uh, goodness.
1: So great. Um she had so for the there was a dynamite it's probably the best one um they do trailers for the box sets uh when they come mm-hmm. out and they did one with ace for the season 26 and it is incredible it gets you all worked up emotionally and stuff you're like oh my gosh I love uh, that. but yeah it's good stuff um yeah very happy we're here at ace um and ace could have been a character that wasn't too it's so weird we we're talking about how it ties um we'll get to that in a sec um Tony Selby back as Savalon Glitz. Yeah. He was from the uh, Trial of the Time Lord. Um, apparently, there was a character that was just so similar, and Andrew Cartman was like, "Just make it Savalon Glitz. Like, we'll get him back. Trust me." He uh,
2: feels like the he feels like the hairy Mud of the Doctor Who. Oh, universe yeah. to me. So
1: <laughs> very, very true. Um, but he's he's this guy. He's got to deal with this cane guy who has an iron fist on Ice World and. He also has a map to some treasure, which Kane is monitoring for him to find. Um, yes. Which Glitz is also a sexist because he says that Mel can't come with him <laughs> and the Doctor to go things. But we get to build... um, Because, you know, sometimes in Doctor Who, there's the companion's companion. We get a lot, too. Sure. Whereas in this, like, uh, Ace is more Mel's companion for a lot of this than she is the Doctor. Um, yeah. And just like currently in, in Flux... Um, John Bishop's Dan was more Yaz's companion than the Doctor. Um, yeah,
2: it's almost like a it's almost like a companion in training type of you know uh, mm-hmm. the the assistant assistant to the regional companion, if you will. So, but right. yes, yeah, you've got the uh, yeah. I, I mean, here it may have been designed intentionally as kind of a passing of the torch type of type type mm-hmm. of thing because they knew that Mel was on the way out and Ace was gonna gonna stick around. But, but yeah, it's a kind of a nice dynamic again to see. Mel have something a little extra to do. We talked about this last week with Delta mm-hmm. as well as that, you know, in her final few, you know, there, obviously she, she screams uh, in, in this episode as, as, as she is wont to do, but, right. but she does have a lot of actual stuff to do. She is integral to the story, which is, which is a nice vibe.
1: Mm-hmm. For her, so. so this one, this is one, one of the, this is the last time I feel also, um, with Doctor Who, especially in the McCoy era here in the classic, that they really go for it um plan uh set wise with the planet. Like they go aboard. It doesn't quite work, it still feels steady, but this is the last time they go for it. And after this, they realize that Delta's there and a lot of it's a lot of their shootings location from here on out and minimal set work. Um when they do have a full set, it's ghost light and it's an old British house. So it's something that. Isn't gonna, you know, challenge your imagination too much from here on out, but they yeah. find something that works. So this is the last time they just go bananas with everything being a set, lots of stairs, and like you know, like we talk laser tag arenas. This is it. <laughs> this is the last, this is the last hurrah to that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like. And it's one of those things where you 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 overlook, like you can like you can tell the doctor's clearly mm-hmm. not dangling over the 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 chasm, the ice chasm. Right. But you know, and then, but as as he's walking down the rails above the chasm, like you you try to overlook the fact that he's that's just it's clearly PVC pipe for right. the railings. But you know, but like Kane's hideout is like a two level thing with an yeah. ice statue in the next room in the forbidden zone. Like like it's yeah, insane. there's some yeah. Big, <laughs> yeah, there's a good a good good amount of set pieces were yeah. committed to to this episode, which I I think was great. I love the way they build they build ice world as kind of this. Uh, Bizarre kind of uh you know shopping center if you will right there's, yeah there's various uh you've got the restaurant and then the 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 open uh agora style shopping center out there so yeah and then you've got the hangar bay where the Nosferatu is docked and then you get the interior of the Nosferatu it just kind of keeps going which is great yeah great great for this episode so.
1: and like you mentioned you're dropping all this. there's like so many influences here on this like uh like Kane is Citizen Kane uh, Zana is. <laughs> in reference to Xanadu, his estate sure. in the film, uh, there's Superman. The movie was the idea for the ice world. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the restaurant and shopping center is supposed to be the most ice. The cantina, uh, Nosferatu, of course. Um, we will talk about alien, uh, the influence there, the xenomorph Raiders of the lost Ark even here. Yeah. Like, uh, and it's just like, Holy crap. There's throwing it all in here, which is a lot of fun. Um, a lot of stuff that, you know, they can and can't pull off. Um, but let's let's talk about the dragon of the Dragon Fire, which is very much like a xenomorph with the gigantic head, which I kind of like. It's a weird. It doesn't look traditional, and I like that.
2: It is. It is weird. I remember, you know, watching as a as a, as a younger person, like here comes a dragon, and then yeah, because at the end of the first part, you get the dragon's face, and you're like, holy mm-hmm. crap, like that looks like an alien dragon, and right? Then, When you spend more time with him in the second part, you're like, oh, it's a a dude with a gigantic thing on his head. But I mean, again, that's like the BBC budget. Like everything has to be humanoid because they're not going to they're not going to give you a a giant actual dragon in the wings. It's just not practical for what they were doing. So. So, yeah, I mean, it was it it worked for what it was. Uh, The dragon once again uh, falls prey to the, for as much as I love the writing, the dragon falls prey to this weird vibe they had. They started in Delta and the Bannerman last episode Mm -hmm. and went here about not really being very callous with the life of these secondary characters. Like the dragon, like that dragon dies. Like he gets his head cut off. Yeah, Like that's super, like you spent the whole time talking this thing up. Like he's thousands of years old and is mythical. And just let the bad guys kill him. It's kind of a bummer.
1: (laughs) But the treasure is in his head. So that's you're right. That's you're that's, right. The, that's the key. Um Yeah, and then also they they blow up a uh, uh, the Nosferatu. Uh, Literally everybody in ice that, world.
2: Yes, they're like people got asleep. evacuated. Yes, evacuate to the Nosferatu. Yeah. Everybody get on. And then Kane's like, "Oh, you think you're leaving?" And then just presses the button, and they it explodes, and everyone. Except for the young girl because you gotta spare the kid who got left in the station yep. and her mom. Everybody dies. Literally everybody else is just by tough yeah. luck on you. So. Which is
1: strange because you'd think, well, it's probably the rush production that somebody would have been like, Hey, um, this happens in both these. Uh this yeah. this, this, this moment. Do we wanna do it twi-? and you have the same director? Yeah, why uh, do you like,
2: guys hate civilians
1: so much? Like I don't understand. Get them all into a, <laughs> get them all into a transportation vehicle and blow it up.
2: I so mean, we, it even started. It even started with with um, with Glitz's crew of the Nosferatu. He oh, yeah, sold he, them.
1: To he Kane. sold them, and <laughs> he like kills them and zombifies them, and it's just like, "Oh, <laughs> hey, mate, what's going on?" Oh,
2: and then and then those zombies go into the restaurant, and the first thing to do is shoot the bartender, to right? and like, everybody's gonna die. I just it's so much wanton and death and destruction. I don't get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's in a gleeful way almost too. Like, it really it, this is. is a very happy vibe. Kind of looking Doctor Who. Um, It's extremely
2: nonchalant, and like like we said last episode, it would not fly with 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 today's Doctor, who's very concerned with every single life. But Sylvester's like, you know, like I don't even think he even references it. I just, you know, they know that the Nosferatu got blown up, but they're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, what are you gonna do, you know? Well, I mean, yeah,
1: you even have like Patricia Quinn and the other guy. They they pull a mutiny on this cane guy, and he's just like. Sure. And he, I mean, even
2: Kane himself at the end, when he finds right. out that he he's been working so hard to get back to his home planet just so he can, ha I, I, I did it. Screw you guys. As soon as he found out that he, there was no one there for him to get uppity with, he's like, Oh, well, okay. And he opens the window and lets the sunlight burn him to death. Like it melts. So, like, so and it casual. looks gross.
1: Like it's awesome. <laughs>
2: so casual. It's so crazy. <laughs>
1: Like, and you know what's funny is like i i hear about i've always studied and watched about the 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 constant like censorship and stuff about dr who from all the day but i've never heard of anything about this face mel- melting being an issue i don't
0: um, know. It's, yeah
2: because it was pretty graphic it's yeah pretty graphic they 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 lingered they 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 took every they took advantage of every cent they spent on that face melting mm-hmm. practical effect they they let you see all of it
1: <laughs> yeah it Insane, insane. And then oh yeah, he also he also offs the statue guy. The guy building the yep. ice statues like don't eh, right. you yep. so cold, so cold colder than ace dumping a milkshake on her boss's head. That's right.
2: Colder than 193, negative 193 degrees Celsius, his target temperature in his little <laughs> back to tank or whatever. Yeah,
1: he has to <laughs> recharge it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, this so much stuff. Um let's go. Our cliffhangers uh includes considered one of the worst doctor who cliffhangers of all time where at the end of the first episode the doctor just gets to a ledge and lowers himself down and there's
2: no reason for him to get down there he literally just he's like i guess i'm gonna hang out for a while and then he gets down there and he's like oh crap
1: apparently (laughs) i've seen the defense of this where they cut out that he's at a dead end and the only way to get there is to get down there and that's not conveyed at all. It's just him, just like doop ba doop Oops. No.
2: And then, and then in the next serial, Glitz comes along. He's like, "Oh, let me help you." And somehow he magically gets down to the bottom of the chasm. Yeah. But the do- and then, and the doctor somehow is like standing on his shoulders. I, I, I it, yeah. There's, a, there's some mm. leaps of faith required for that for that yeah. cliffhanger. <laughs>
1: uh, the other one, uh, Kane overhears the location of the treasure, is like declares imminent victory. <laughs> so that's a uh, phoning it in here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they're just places to stop, I guess. Yep. Uh, have stopping points. <laughs> yeah. Um, so er, let's go uh, some crazy stuff here. Uh, Mel leaves. She decides to take her chances with Glitz instead of continuing with the doctor.
2: She just pieces out and, uh, like, ostensibly there is some character growth where glitz is like, well, the girls aren't all that bad, I suppose. Yeah. And maybe this girl could help keep steering me in the right direction, but that's not overly clearly conveyed. And the doctor's kind of gruff with, with, with Mel. He's like, all right, go on. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like the puppy that you're trying to like release back into the wood, you know, like go on, get, get, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not yeah. much of
1: a goodbye here. So, <laughs> but she does She suggests to the to take ace with him, Um, but, there are so the original script, there's not there's other scripted versions of this. There's uh when we're ace, if this was the third serial instead of and it ends on Delta, Ace leaves with glitz and Mel and the Doctor continue on. Sure.
2: So it almost feels like a choose your own adventure type type of where you could swap some stuff mm-hmm. out depending upon what the writers wanted to do.
1: There's also there's also Delta happens first. We go Ray, Mel leaves in Delta and Ray continues on and then Ace leaves with glitz and Ray and the doctor leave on. So there was multiple there's, sure. you want to talk about multiverse? Um, yeah. there are multiple somewhere situations here. Um, That's right.
2: Maybe even somewhere out there, Ray comes with the doctor, but then Ray leaves with glitz and Ace still comes along. I don't know. That I, the, yeah. it feels like it's a little too confusing. I see why they didn't do the Ray Ace thing, because that would be too, brand new people to the show it, trying to lead one another. And that wouldn't make yep. as much sense as no we kind of show and ace the rope. So I, right. I get that part. Everything else. Yeah. Totally interchangeable. And like you said, in a, in a, what if style environment could have been a whole different ballgame.
1: And we have a, a historical statistic with this. Uh, this is the first story since the invasion of time. It's Tom Baker's fourth season uh, where a companion left at season's end, which was Leela. And a canine because he kept a canine himself, uh, right. but that, yeah, first time since then, that's like 1970, 1970- 78, sure. 77, something like that. That's 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 weird, uh, and then th- this is the um, also the first time since Legopolis where the new companion joined in the finale, and that was Tegan. So. Historic moment here Very for the McCoy era, but yeah, sure. I was like, oh, I feel like, but doctors tended to leave at the end of the season. Companions right. would stay, or you know, some some were done, but um, yeah, I was trying to think. Like, yeah, that's that's about right because Romana left before the end. Um, Adric died before the end of a the season. Then uh, yeah, in the middle of the season, um, Tara Sutton left. Uh, Perry leaves in the middle of the season. Perry starts in the middle of the season. Yeah. It's right. just it's Grimmel starts in the middle of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Companions this, are in the middle. Yeah.
2: You're right. Yeah. But this to me, this feels especially now going back, obviously, this, you know, in, in the moment of watching my first ever Doctor Who, I didn't have any of the context. But now right. this feels to me symbolically like the the. Finalization of the ripping off of the band aid of the six Doctor era. Like we're, right? Like we're, you yeah. Know, like the old companions gone, the old Doctor's gone. Like this is officially, like here it is. We are in the new era now, one hundred percent.
1: And it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> it's gonna kick ass. <laughs> it's gonna deliver. Um And also a weird thing of to be Sophie Aldred's older than Bonnie Langford,
2: <laughs> and she's playing a sixteen-year-old. Yeah. sixteen years old. Ace is sixteen. I'm like in what universe (laughs) not that one she's a year older
1: but it's just so weird and it works and you would never second guess it
2: you know what i guess uh maybe a time storm ages you a little bit i don't know you know
1: (laughs) yes yes so okay so now we've, we've we've wrapped mccoy's first year on the job and stuff so let's reflect a little bit um what are your thoughts on this first season as a whole Going through, uh, you
2: know, I mean, knowing again, going back to the first few episodes uh, that that we shot where we talked about it, knowing the bumpiness and how rushed everything was uh, for what they had at the I, I would consider it a phenomenal success. Like you said, mm-hmm. it, it was it was clear at this point that the BBC was like, you know, let's take this old horse around the back of the barn slowly here. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it feels like everybody on the show was not phoning it in. They were giving it their all um you know sylvester came in um you know it, it, there were those reports those behind the scenes reports early on that he was much easier to work with in terms of going with the flow and trying different things to see what felt organically working in the moment mm-hmm. so um you know i i think sylvester breathed a fresh air into the show and i think you really it really found its legs as the season progressed and pushed on hard into next season
1: yeah i, I agree like i for me, like I mentioned up top, this is one of my least favorite seasons of classic but I admire the hell out of it because it got done. And I think it's that necessary bridge to a better future that you have to go through. And there's there's Absolutely. enjoy there's tons of enjoyability. Like the only one I really have a hard time with is time, time in the Ronnie. Like I I tend to have a, Paradise Towers is a curiosity I return to. I love Delta and the Bannerman and Dragonfire Rocks. So yes. it's all, not all that bad at all sure. and it's no. it's fun to watch it come into place cuz the next two seasons are of my favorite doctor who stuff of all time so yeah um it really sets yeah, the it, stage well
2: absolutely if you think of uh, uh if you think of modern doctor who as like the fancy house that everybody now generally knows about doctor who then this mm-hmm. this this season feels like the foundation Of that, like it's it's not the prettiest thing in the world, but it gave you the opportunity to move forward in a very solid fashion.
1: Yes, definitely. Favorite story from this season? Uh, Again, I'm biased.
2: Dragonfire is my first ever Doctor Who story, so Mm -hmm. it's going to always hold a special place in my heart. Delta, Delta's wonderful. But yeah, Dragonfire, just for me, it just it felt like it was just like this crazy, ridiculous sci-fi adventure that had a lot of thinking moments inside of it. And it just, it, it just, it it opened my, my eyes to this world. And I think even if I was watching along, it still would have felt that way of like, Hey, here we go. we got a new era coming our way. Check out what we're going to give you this, this, this is the vibe folks. So,
1: gotcha. so typically I had a change. So typically I say dragon fire, but this time watcher, I enjoyed Delta the most this time. Sure. So it might go back to dragon fire again, but, normally normally my answer has been dragon fire up till this current rewatch so that's good um but no i enjoy both those at the end um it's half awesome half um but the next i don't i don't think i don't think there's a serial i don't like in the next eight that they do that i can think of (laughs) I agree. It's very, I like ghost light. Solid Spoiler. I like ghost light. Sorry. Haters. Ghost light's
2: wonderful. Remembrance of the Dalek. I like, you, you don't need to bring the Daleks back. Oh, and again silver
1: nemesis 26. is fine. I know people hate that one, but it's I fine. Know, you're right. you're uh, right. Battlefield rocks. Uh, like yeah. Season. Yeah. Season 26. Oh, I, I don't even know. which just my favorite between 25 and 26, but. Uh, Maybe
2: we'll get the chance to talk
1: about it. Well, soon. we might be talking about those <laughs> at some point because I, I really dig the McCoyer. great. I like a lot pretty much all the doctor who I enjoy talking about. I enjoy going through, but um and i I see the appreciation and I enjoy all of it. But this is a really fun uh, bit to go through that I think it I don't think it's as overlooked as it used to be, but still is overlooked and underappreciated for how good they did with that. Agreed. I agree. So,
2: well, I, I appreciate you bringing me along for the ride on this one. Yep. You know that, you know, you never forget your first doctor and Sylvester right. is Sylvester's my guy. So I'm happy to talk about him at any time. So All right.
1: <laughs> Excellent. So, all right, Tony, until that time, uh, it's time to reset the TARS coordinates and get us to our next adventure in time and space. Till then, Tony, thanks again for coming on this. working people keep up with you?
2: Uh, pretty simple. You can find me anywhere uh, on the in, in the interweb. If you do at Tony Schaub, you can find me on on all the socials there. And of course, you can swing by sciencefiction.com, where I am the senior editor and write plenty of the news articles and reviews and op-ed pieces. So you can come over there and argue with me to your heart's content.
1: Go hate. Go get them. <laughs> all right. So uh, hashtag sticking with seven. Uh, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brad Porky UHD. Written work at YSOBlue.com. There is more from the Brad Peters Show. Summer of 82 at 40 keeps on chugging along. We are wrapping up. People are finishing their music video series and saying farewell. It's a good time. Uh, but from old space, somewhere there's danger, somewhere there's
2: injustice, and somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Brandon. We've got work to do.
0: All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.